John chapter 10, verse 11. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. From the beginning, sheep herding was the occupation of the patriarchs. Abel was a keeper of sheep. Indeed, Abraham was compelled to separate his herdsmen and their flock from those of Lot. Early shepherds were nomadic and were forced to move about in search of good water and green pastures. By their very nature, sheep were efficient landscape machines. They ate until the grass was no more with the net result that greener pastures were a necessity. There are few of us who have experience in the occupation of sheep herding. But this much is well known. There is a very close relationship between herder and herd. Typically, It was in the manner of the patriarchs to stay with the herd, or as in the case of Jacob, his sons, while Jacob would maintain the base homestead. If and when the herd was kept in a pen and moved daily to a pasture, the herder would go to the pen in the morning and call to the sheep. There were occasions when more than one owner kept their herds in the same pen or area. Such was the case of Abraham and Lot. Genesis chapter 13. Reading from verse 5. And Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. And the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. When the herdsman called out to his sheep, the relationship was so keenly developed that those who were his recognizing or recognized his voice. They would gather and follow him out the gate. Those who belonged to another herdsman would pay no heed to his voice and stay behind. So we read then in John... Beginning at verse 4.
And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Verse 5, And a stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. The bond between herdsman and herd is so strong that the herd would follow, stop, even spend the night with the herder. And so we read in Song of Solomon, chapter 1. Verse 7 Tell me, O thou whom my soul loveth, where thou feedest, where thou makest thy flock to rest at noon. For why should I be as one that turneth aside by the flocks of thy companions? The flock counted on the herdsman to defend them with his life. The young man David, who was a herdsman for his father's flock, felt compelled to challenge the threat imposed on Israel by the giant Goliath. King Saul, looking upon the mere lad, fearful for his life, would not hear of it. And David's response was in 1 Samuel 17. First <coughs> Samuel 17, verse 34. Uh, and David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. When he arose up against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. A good shepherd would keep his flock together, would keep his flock in good pasture, and would ensure that no harm would come upon them by either wild beast or robber. A good shepherd would never trespass onto another's field, and each and every sheep in the fold could count on being recipient of the little kindnesses bestowed upon them by the herder. The prophet Ezekiel using poor sheep herding to typify the poor leaders of Israel writes, Ezekiel 34 verse 2 
Son of Man prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? You eat the fat, and you clothe yourselves with the wool. Ye kill them that are fed, but ye feed not the flock. The diseased have ye not strengthened, neither have ye healed that which was sick, neither have ye bound up that which was broken, neither have ye brought again that which was driven away, neither have ye sought that which was lost. But with force and with cruelty have ye ruled them. That's spoken to the leaders of Israel. The bond between herd... Oops. Poor management by the leaders were the cause of the people to become diseased, weakened, and ultimately scattered. So the prophet continues... Verse 5, they were scattered because there is no shepherd. And they became meat to all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep wandered through the mountains and upon every high hill. Yea, my flock was scattered upon all the face of the earth and none did search or seek after them. The prophet goes on to write, Therefore, ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. And again, For thus saith the Lord. And uses this phrase not once, but three times. Because my flock became a prey, and became food to every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd to to gather them, to protect them. And again the phrase, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I am against the shepherds. The prophet continues in verse uh, verse 11 of chapter 34, For thus saith the Lord, Behold, I even I will both search my sheep and seek them out. Verse 13, And I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land and feed them upon the mountains of Israel by the rivers and in all the inhabited places of the country. In verse 14, I will feed them in good pasture. Green pastures. And upon the high mountains of Israel shall their fold be. There shall they lie in a good fold and in a fat pasture shall they feed upon the mountains of Israel. There will be a time when the Good Shepherd will gather his flock and place them in what Joel so beautifully describes as true greener pastures. Joel chapter 3. Verse 18. 
And it shall come to pass in that day that the mountains shall drop down new wine, and the hills shall flow with milk, and all the rivers of Judah shall flow with waters, and a fountain shall come forth of the house of the Lord, and shall water the valley of Shittim. The good shepherd then took his responsibilities very, very seriously. And as one can only imagine a fearless countenance such as David exhibited. Typically, the shepherd carried a garment in which to wrap himself during inclement weather, a pouch for food, and some kind of defensive weapon. Consider what David took as he went up against the Philistine Goliath. First Samuel 1740, and he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag which he had, even in a scrip, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. The staff could be used to manage the flock, keep it together, guide it, defend it, and even chastise the disobedient or unruly. It is truly ironic that even a simplistic lifestyle as it appears to be, the life of a shepherd was full of drama. The complex life of the leadership of the people was no less dramatic, but lessons of a typical shepherd could have led to a totally different result. Our task this morning then is to understand, try and understand, what Jesus meant by his comment I am the good shepherd. Once again, we recognize in the structure the words good shepherd in the phrase before us serve as a descriptive adjective for the personal pronoun I. Verse 11 reads, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And in verse 14, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. Reading from first verse of chapter 10. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name, and lead them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, 
for they know not the voice of strangers. This, we are told, was a parable that his audience did not understand. There are several features of this passage that demand our consideration. While the sheep appear to occupy a prominent place in the passage, they occupy a secondary place in the explanation. Our subject first and foremost is the shepherd. We are presented also with a fold, the door, the porter, the sheep, the wolf, the hireling shepherd, the shepherd's voice, the listening flock, and the shepherd's death in defense of the flock. In the first instance, we cannot deny that all along, the first shepherd, the first shepherd was the living God of Israel. Jacob, speaking to his family for the last time, spoke in terms of sheep herding when he began his blessing to Joseph. Genesis 49, verse 22. Joseph is a fruitful bough, even a fruitful bough by a well whose branches run over the wall. The archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him. But his bow, a bow or bow aboded in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. Speaking of the protective nature of deity, Isaiah writes, Isaiah 40, verse 10, Behold, the Lord God will come with a strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him, Behold, his work, his reward is with him, and his work before him. Verse 11, he shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm, and carry them in his bosom, and shall gently lead those that are with young. Jesus said that I am the good shepherd. When asked... Who art thou, Lord? His reply, I am Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Mary, and therefore son of David, Abraham, Adam. But of more consequence, he was the son of God, begotten of the Holy Spirit, and therefore at one with the Eternal Father, who sent him forth to be a righteous, be righteousness, be wisdom, be sanctification and be redemption to all who would receive him. He was the good shepherd manifest in the flesh. What are we to make of the other points listed in the parable? 
A fold is a place where the sheep are collected and defended. There should be no doubt as to what is symbolized here. The Apostle Paul, writing to the Romans, tells us that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. We are close. We are very close to the dawning of a new day upon this earth. Yet if God had not made provision for the spiritual development and nurture of men and women, barbarism would have prevailed. Fortunately, he has not left the earth in so hapless a state. His purpose being to fill the earth with his glory in the sense of filling it with the people that would ascribe to him glory of his own works. He arranged for the development in a manner suitable for the times in which they lived. And as according as his wisdom saw fit. May we dare suggest that the ecclesia of today is a type of sheepfold. Just as the community after Joshua departed from divine ways, so also the community founded by the apostles changed. We in these latter days must be aware of precedent. And while a sheepfold in early Bible times was sturdy and well defended, our defenses are weakened by the insidious hazards of complacency, of preacher comforts, of modern technology, and last but not least, wolves in sheep's clothing that abound within the community. What once were unthinkable associations in our early history are now noxious weeds that have no antidote. Who are the sheep? Jesus answered clearly, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Are they hard to identify? No. They are those who submit to the word of Christ and do what he commands. And so more than once he spoke on this subject. He that heareth my commandments and keepeth them, John fourteen twenty one. He it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall love, be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Matthew seven twenty one. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. The Apostle spoke also with such clarity. Romans 8.1 There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Same chapter, verse 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. The man who submits to the Word of Christ 
and obey His commandments are most aptly represented by the sheep. The sheep is a strong but harmless animal from which no living thing suffers injury. There is no other animal that could figure the disciple of Christ. Indeed, there was no other animal that figured Christ, as he was the Lamb of God. And those that follow him are like him in that he was guileless and inoffensive in every way. The wolf is an animal whose nature is well known. He will stop at nothing in the gratification of his lusts. While the primary lust of the natural is hunger, in the spiritual it is pride. A wolf in disguise is bent on satisfying his desire to wreak havoc on the ecclesia and the truth in its entirety. He comes in first with holy tone and pious grimace. These are false teachers, clever men of shallow intellect. Jesus elsewhere speaks of these as ravening wolves, as grievous wolves who enter among us and spare not the flock. In earlier times, these ravening wolves were protected by a changing world. In our time, they are protected, indeed encouraged, by apathy and ignorance. Consider now the sound of the shepherd's voice. While some contend that their interest is pricked by Jesus personally calling them, the truth of the matter is that as the good shepherd, what Jesus said is only part of the message of God to man. For the rest of the message, he refers us to Moses and the prophets, and therefore not one bit differently than the Holy Scriptures, which has been read in Jewish synagogues, or in our day, placed in the hands of Christendom. The Old Testament Scriptures, in conjunction with the apostolic testimony to Jesus as their fulfiller, were able to make men wise unto salvation. And Paul writes to Timothy, And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation, through faith which is in Christ Jesus. At the sound of his voice, the sheep are alerted, and they will follow as directed. We have previously given consideration to the natural, as just as a good shepherd knows his sheep, even in small herds, he knows them and gives them names by which they react they respond accordingly. Similarly, in the spiritual, our Good Shepherd knows who are His, and they know and respond accordingly. In the message to Pergamos, the Spirit, while somewhat condemning them, did promise them, if they overcame a white stone of victory on which was written, a new name will be given them. Just as true sheep will be alerted by the good shepherd's voice, they will be alerted to a stranger's voice. Oh yeah. And rather than follow 
will flee determinately from any man or system who poses as a substitute or rival or equal. In the spiritual, these things or should be discerned by all these things are or should be discerned by all who truly know Christ. So John re, uh, re, has written in his 17th chapter, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. When confronted by strange teaching, then, we, like the sheep of the Good Shepherd, should flee. Flee. And follow none other. From the example of David, it should be clear to all that a good shepherd will put himself in harm's way for his flock. The true antitype, of course, is Christ, who offered himself as a sweet smelling savor to him who required this declaration of his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him that believeth. It is therefore true that as custodians of God's truth, if we truly love it and live it, then we should consider it a life's work of the sweetest occupation with the highest of honor. The apostles carried on the work of Jesus and encourages Timothy to teach so that there will continue to be faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So he writes in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Men of this qualification are the true successors of the apostles, and fortunately for us, they have been found wherever faithful men of ability have received and espoused the faith of Christ. They require no special talent, nor do they require great wealth. When the wolf of danger in any shape presents itself, they step up with weapons of their warfare, the word of truth, and they beat off the beasts at the peril of their own lives. We are exhorted by Jude to contend earnestly for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. And so we read from the pen of John in his second epistle, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. This, uh, John's second epistle, chapter 1, reading verse, from verse 10 then, If there come any unto you, and bring not this doctrine, receive him not, 
into your house. Neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. The eyesight of the spiritual man not only covers the ground occupied by the natural man, but extends much further. Like the visual range of a man at a higher altitude than his fellows, they understand enough to know that Christ is the only guide for a man in relation to the things of God and futurity. However, it takes a look back in time, back in the scriptures, when the children of Israel, after receiving the law and statutes of Almighty God, were given a choice. Moses writes in Deuteronomy 30, verse 15, See, I have set before thee this day life and good, death and evil, in that I command, I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply. And the Lord thy God will bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. Verse 19. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live. It is assuring indeed to be considered in the care of a good shepherd. It is even more so if by patient continuance and faithful service we are called to be friends of the future king of all the earth. It is encouraging to know that just as the God of Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps, our relationship with the Good Shepherd never turns away from those that are His sheep. Jesus said of this relationship, I am the Good Shepherd. And I know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Our task going forward is to keep that relationship, indeed strengthen that relationship, so that we might hear from his lips, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. And we can say of the good shepherd, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. Thank you.